righty, welcome to Thursday, another brand new edition, 52, episode 52 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We had a special episode yesterday. Bill Meltzer and Anthony Mangione joined me as we talked about the pending hiring of John Tortorella. We're going to talk about that with Anthony DeMarco from the fourthperiod.com in just a moment as well. Let me tell you about Bet Parks uh, Cup Finals underway. What a game one. I mean, you go OT in game one. I picked, by the way, the Avs in seven. We'll see what. Uh, Anthony DeMarco pick, but the all new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, it's the best place to get your action in. And take it from me, it's everything you've wanted in a mobile casino and sportsbook. And it is fantastic. It is easy to use, it is easy to navigate. It's on your phone. And you can pick all kinds of great things like exact score, get huge odds payouts on those goal scores, points, head to heads, uh, in game parlays, same game parlays, live in game betting all your traditional ways as well. It's all there for you, all laid out, whether it's on the cup final or the hoops finals. Uh, you got a big golf tournament this weekend as well, football around the corner. Grab the new Bet Parks app. You're going to love it. And right now, all Bet Parks users can use the promo code JASON750, J-A-S-O-N-750, and that's going to get you a risk-free bet up to $750 uh, for new and existing users. Again, terms and conditions apply. So make sure you type in that code JASON, J-A-S-O-N-750, Download the new Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. A lot to discuss. Let's bring him in right now from Montreal, north of the border, fourthperiod.com, Brotherly Pod. It is Anthony DeMarco. What's going on, Ant? Not much, man. Busy uh, past, uh, I would say, six, seven, 12 hours or so. Yeah. <laughs> just sneaking in. Uh, my I snuck in a, a workout actually somehow, and now I'm just trying to down this shake. So uh, you get to see my uh, pink uh, Popeyes bottle. There you go. Um, there's been a lot going on, obviously. Uh, from what I understand, Tortorella's in town today, and they're hammering out, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Um, I think he's going back to New York. I think he lives up in North New York, maybe Rochester-ish area. Um, and we may have a press conference virtual tomorrow or um, something in person next week as well. I know. Th- I, th- I believe I, if it becomes official, I will be having a one-on-one sit-down with them over at the Skate Zone next week as well. And he's either going to punch me or he's going to hug me. But um, a lot's been going on here, a lot to unpack with John Tortorella. We still don't know about Barry Trotz, although the word is he bought a house in Nashville. Maybe he's going into management. I don't know. Um, but what I, I know you just filed a story as well on Tortorella. And one of the things that's been accentuated out there, I brought it up yesterday. I read Russ's, Russ Joy's tweet uh, being fake outraged about uh, a <laughs> third party being involved in a search. Pro sports teams do this all the time. I believe Anthony even called him today a hot take artist for that take um, because it's not that big of a deal to hire a third-party firm. It's not like they come in and hire your coach. It's what a lot of pro sports teams, including the Eagles, 49ers, Chicago Blackhawks, and many others are doing right now. But what's the latest that you're hearing? Would you file in your story? Well, look, it's going to be Tortorella, which mm-hmm. is no secret. I'm not breaking anything. Uh, I think Charlie was the fir- Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic was the first one to say about two hours ago or so that uh, they're in the final stages. Like you said, crossing the T's, dying the I's. John Clark of NBC just said, I heard the same thing. Maybe tonight, probably tomorrow. And obviously, Kevin Weeks broke the news that he was offered the job Tuesday night, although I think that may have been a little premature. But, I mean, all in all, it seemed like Tortorella was a long time coming for about a week or so. In regards to the hiring firm, it's true. They had a hiring firm, but I, it's just 
in the way of everyone saying that, oh, they went over Chuck's head, they don't trust him, this, that, and the other thing. Like, I spoke to people uh, earlier this morning, both within hockey ops, outside hockey ops, all around, and the firm was there to help. You know, the vetting, research, calling references, they were providing available candidates, information, and they were working under Chuck Fletcher's uh, direction. Yeah. And I had one person tell me that they weren't even involved in the hiring process in terms of like when it the big meeting had to come. I think it was more just helping to set up some interviews and give background checks and things like that. And yeah, I, br- I brought that up. It's part of the vetting process so that you're not surprised by anything. They kind of do a digital comb through of your entire life to make sure that something's not going to come popping out and embarrass a, a very high profile organization. Yeah, exactly. And just doing things that like all like the, I guess, tedious things in the process to allow guys like Chuck Fletcher and his team to completely just focus on the important stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was told that the hiring process was led by Fletcher, Brent Flair and Danny Briere, Bob Clark and and um, Paul Holmgren were involved, but I was told they were used more as soundboards and were right in the thick of it. You know, they're senior advisors and that's how they were used. Obviously, we know that they were fans of Tortorella. And look, I think based on discussions I've had, I don't think Tortorella was necessarily the guy from the onset that they had circled, but I was told that he was just by far the best interview. And he was a guy that convinced them that he was the right guy to get this team back on track. And look, they were looking for defensive structure. They were looking at a guy to bring in accountability. That's for sure. He checks those boxes. Yeah. And we know that Cam Atkinson is a massive fan of John Tortorella. I was told that they called former players of him, both still currently playing in the NHL and some retired. Two of those players being the Sedin brothers who gave their encouragement of John Tortorella. They said they were yet to find a former player. And that's a pretty big one, right? Because the Vancouver Canucks stint was pretty much the only stain on Tortorella's resume as we went through like last week. And to hear that the Sedin brothers, who were the captain and the assistant captain during the time, were fans of his, is a pretty big endorsement. Yeah, and star players to boot. Star players, for sure. And they said that they couldn't find one player that had a negative thing to say about him. So do I think that maybe back in May, he was the number one guy on Chuck Fletcher's choice? Probably not. I think that a guy maybe like Jim Montgomery was there. But as the process went on, they found out more about him. They found out how players thought of him, and they got to talk to him one-on-one. He quickly jumped to the top of their list. Um, We still presume Trotz was the pick, uh, but Barry Trotz apparently notified them that um, he was going to go in a different direction. We don't know what direction that is, whether it's going to be behind a bench. I was talking with Bill and and Anthony Mangione yesterday about this, and you know, for me, the the Trotz thing, the transition to management, if in fact that is based on 100% fact, is a bit of a red flag for me as an organization. Like, how does that transition take place? How committed are you to coaching? Um, why do you want to transition to manage? Is it is it burnout and travel and the grind of being a coach? All those things are, are really complicated. He's a great coach. We know that. But um, obviously, it didn't work out there. Um f- and by the way, real quick, um, the, the 
firm that they use, they, they use these firms for other positions as well, not high pro profile coaching positions. Um, and I know that the organization does do that for other executive positions as well. Um, so going forward now, um, Tortorella, it, it's going to be, he's going to be the coach. We know that, um, barring any kind of just meltdown in the process <laughs> here, which I don't foresee happening. Um, when you look at all the players that have endorsed, him, I just listened to Nick Felino, who was on spit and chicklets and he talked about him. Um, and just again, rave reviews, but and there's this notion out there that he's a guy that burns his players out. Like I'm seeing the hot takes from Ryan Gilbert said, Oh, uh, Travis Konechny and Joel Farabee don't deserve this, but you got to realize players love playing for him. Nick Foligno said it on Chicklets. He's got no reason to lie. No. You could say, yeah, he was an asshole. He got a lot out of me, but I, I didn't like him. But players don't lie, especially when they're done playing. And, you know, this notion of him being this tyrant that players hate going to work for is just, it, it's a false narrative. Yeah, and I think it's because you see the way he acts behind the bench and you're just mm -hmm. like, oh, he's another AV or he's another Laviolette or he's another uh, name hard coach X, you know? That's funny because people love Laviolette and I was around Lavi very close uh, during his tenure here. He drove guys hard and he drove them crazy and there were guys that didn't like him. Yeah, and, and I just, look, like I have some trepidation about the John Tortorella hire just because, and this isn't so much him as it is more just because I think maybe the overall philosophy of the organization right now, I'm not completely in lockstep with in terms of like, are you going to take a half decent roster and get this coach that gets so much buy-in that you're just going to be like a perennial playoff team? And then in five years from now, what have you accomplished as opposed to more of a long-term money middle? Exactly. Like Columbus. Like they always overachieved, but this, but I do think that they're going to be, even if they become that, which I'm not saying is a slam dunk, but that's just one thing that makes you a little like hesitant of the whole situation. I think they're going to be a very respectable team. And I think that's like what they're looking for with Tortorella to be back in like the group of teams that are not looked down on ones that are just like, okay, they're not the most talented team, but they're going to be hard to play against. If you beat them in the playoffs in the first or second round, they're going to be a six or seven game out that takes a bite out of you. Like we saw with Columbus all those years. Yeah. Now for people that say, well, they're going to be like an average roster who gets massive buy-in and works hard. And we're just going to be a slightly above average team. I could get that. I understand that as opposed to going with an entire the long-term approach. But the thing is, is that that's not so much the Tortorella hire in the vacuum. It's more the overall philosophy with what they're trying to do, which again, I'm not totally in lockstep with it, but for what their vision is in the context of that vision, I don't think that there's a better guy than John Tortorella. Like what coach right now is better served to go coach a group of guys that need an identity overhaul a kick in the ass in terms of accountability, defensive structure, and coach a bunch of guys who are more Robins and not Batmans. Yeah. To just like really a pack team work ethic mentality. And even a guy like Barry Trotz. And to add to that a bit, like I was listening to Darren Dreger on TSN 1050 radio yesterday. And he mentioned that like the grind of coaching, there's speculation that maybe he's not even going to coach next year. He did just buy a house in Nashville. 
the well-documented desire of Barry Trotz to maybe move to in a management position. Is that a guy you want who's not completely bought in? Yeah. A guy who isn't chomping at the bit? Like, we know Tortorella is chomping at the bit to get back behind the bench. He's been now, chomping at the bit to get behind this bench since the day after AV got fired, I'm told. Really? Yes. Well, there you go. And obviously, you couldn't really get out, put that information out there because, mm-hmm. you know, you had Mike Yo, and even though he wasn't publicly a lame duck coach, we all kind of knew after a while he was a lame duck coach, like Dave Scott said as much. And maybe, like, I be- like again, this is more like hearsay, not from a direct source, but I wouldn't be shocked if Chuck Fletcher had to be convinced into being into knowing that Tortorell was the best guy for the job. But just knowing a guy from television or just in passing, as opposed to really interviewing him and talking to players who have played for him and seeing his passion, like that's something you want. Like this is not me saying like Tortorella is a better coach than Barry Trotz. But if you're getting Barry Trotz who isn't fully invested and only came here because you paid him $7 million. And to transition that- into your management group. Yeah, and if at the end of the season next year he's just like, okay, Chuck, like, uh, could I have a job in management now? Yeah. Is that the guy you want? Like, players sense that as opposed to a guy who clearly is chomping at the bit and, according to you, has been chomping at the bit for six months or so. Yeah, uh, I, I know that he was looking at this right away. I brought him up the day after AV got fired on a Flyers broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's a guy. Now, people will say, and there's been a lot of, uh, you know, Flyers Twitter saying, well, why did they waste all this time? Why didn't they hire him right when they fired AV? Why did they waste the season? And to me, you look at it, you go, okay, you got to look at everything there. You got to look at the injuries that they had. You got to look at where they were when they hired AV. Was this season savable at that point with the combination of the way the team was playing, the injuries that they had, what they were up against? Was it a situation where he could have come in and saved the season? And because a coach is much more effective when he comes in and he's got a training camp. He can set his agenda, his culture from day one. Doing that through the grind of a season, game every other day, practices and all that, is very difficult to do that in an off-season and build through a training camp and build those foundational blocks. That's how you build it. You build those foundational blocks at that time. You can't do it in season. You can't just erect a house in season. You have to do that with a full training camp and all season heading into it. And look, there are situations where, like we saw with Craig Berube in St. Louis, both for um, the 2016 Penguins and the 2009 Penguins. We saw it with Philadelphia firsthand when Laviolette came in mm-hmm. in December 2009, where there are situations where you have a very talented team that just isn't buying into the coach anymore. Yeah. But if you look at the Flyers in the context of what. <laughs> well, they weren't that. They weren't nearly as good of, as any of those teams, and they were absolutely mangled by injuries. Like, did yeah. Mike Yo ever get coach a game where Katori and Hayes were both healthy? Or Ellis? No. Or Ellis? No, certain. Mike yeah. Yo never coached a game with Ryan Ellis yeah. as as the head coach, and that's why, like, with Mike Yo, I know his stats were technically worse than Av, but the guy, like, he had he had no real shot. Yeah. You know, I. Like, I don't think Mike Yo's a fantastic head coach. I think he's a brilliant assistant coach, and his track record would prove that. Looks like but he's as a, to Vancouver to do that. Yeah, under Bruce Boudreau, yep. which is – it sucks, right? But I, you also understand from Mike's point of view. But, like, I can't imagine a dynamic of going back to being an assistant coach or being transferred to another position. So I completely get that. 
But, you know, you have to call a spade a spade. And he did not have a fair kick at the can. No. Especially when you consider they didn't even have like a legit coaching staff until February. Like Don, John Torchetti came in when? February after the All-Star yeah. break? They were moving guys like Nick Schultz. They moved him out of player development to be on the bench and to help because they were so shorthanded. I mean, because you didn't fire just AV. You fired Mike Terrian as well. Yeah. So. And Ian LaPerriere, I believe, coached a game as an assistant as well. Yep. And, and Danny Breer coached the Phantoms game on the bench. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Plus was COVID, not- you know. COVID. It, it was absolutely crazy. So, but again, let's apply it. If you had brought in John Tortorella in, in December or Rick Talkett in December, because back then that's who everyone wanted was Rick yeah. Talkett. Like would anything have changed? I don't think so. Like maybe you win a couple more games here and there. No, then they just carry the stain of this season. Exactly. You got a and, clean slate now. Exactly. That's the big thing. And you know, the notion Ant, that I, I know that, there's a notion that this this roster is devoid of any talent. I think that that's bullshit. It's not a great roster. It needs a lot of help. But I, I think people, and look, he's coming off back surgery, have really forgotten the impact of a player like Sean Couturier, who, by the way, two years ago won the Selkie, uh, is a guy that's been north of 75 points the last four seasons of his career before this last one where he was hurt. Uh, and before he got hurt this year, was on a nice pace. You know, I, I think that they forget what the player is. Like, there's this notion that they they don't have anybody worth shit. And to me, Sean Couturier is a player that any team would take. And they go, we'll trade him. He's going in year one of an eight-year deal with a no-move clause. So let's not start having those stupid conversations already. He committed here for the long term. He's not going to waive his no-move clause right now because John Tortorella is coming to town. Those are all hot takes in people's own agenda. Um yeah, the the roster needs help. It needs with Ryan Ellis's health, but it's not a roster that's completely devoid of talent. And when I look at Tortorella, if you're going to get the most out of players, if he, he can turn the trajectory of Travis Konechny and the trajectory of Ivan Provorov to where it was and beyond, then all of a sudden you do have some really good players because you have a 25-minute a night, a night top-pairing defenseman and Ivan Provorov that's got offensive abilities in his game, and Tortorella loves D that jump into the play responsibly. Look at Zach Warinsky. And then you look at a player like Travis Konechny, if he can get the most out of him and get him pointing in the right direction, you're talking about a player that had three 24-goal seasons in a row, and in one of those 24-goal seasons, he did it in 69 games and a 30-goal pace. So this notion that they're devoid of talent and they got a bunch of 12 to 16 a year a goal season scores, I think is, you know, letting a recency bias take over and not realize what they actually may be. Well, they, they don't have no talent. Like, look, I'll, I'll be fr- frank, like, or blunt. I don't think that you could really have Stanley Cup aspirations with Sean Couturier no. being your best forward. You can't. No. You like, more dynamic. Exactly. They, the shit out of the other team forward. Exactly. Like, and Travis Konechny, I don't think he could be your best winger on your team. I don't think he can. Second line winger on my team. uh, Exactly. Or if he's on the first line, he's playing as the third best guy type of thing. Mm -hmm. So they need talent. But to say that there's no talent is recency bias because you just saw a season where you didn't have Ryan Ellis. You didn't have Sean Couturier. Kevin Hayes only got healthy in what, February? And even at that, he scored at a 52-point pace over 82 games if you prorate his point totals. Like, they need some high-end talent, and we know that they know that. Like, Fletcher has said it. Briere has said it. 
you know, it's obvious they need high end talent. But I mean, if they could stay healthy and inject a, a significant piece or two up front, because I think if they're healthy there, and obviously that's a big, big if given on what's going on with Ryan Ellis. Yeah. They have a decent enough defense. I think they'll add a piece. I don't know if it's like a lower end piece, like a Ruda or a Labushkin, or if they look to, you know, get a real big fallback option in case Ellis fights injuries again, like a Matt Dumba. That's not me reporting it. That's just more speculation. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, he's a Fletcher Flair guy back from their days in Minnesota. I think that they have a good enough defense to make a cup run. But the big thing is the forwards. Is Konechny going to be able to get back to where he was in 1920? Can Farabee take that next step? What the hell is going to go on with Morgan Frost? Can they get the same level of production from Cam Atkinson, who's a year older? Are Hayes and Katori going to be healthy? Yeah, how like, does Tippett fit in? You know, those. How does Tippett fit in? Yeah. Like, what could we see from a guy like, I don't know, Noah Cates as a full time contributor from the onset? Will Bobby Brink be able to crack the lineup? Can Allison stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Like, there's still a lot of question marks here, yep. but it's not terrible. And if you get that injection of high end talent, Obviously, Gaudreau's an easy line to draw. You, We've heard the rumblings about Alex Dabrinkit, which I do think may have more legs than people may have thought, but it's going to cost a significant haul on the trade front. Yeah, then Farabee's start- going to have to be a part of that, I would think. I mean, I, I would assume it's the fifth overall pick. There's rumblings that that pick may be in play. I would assume it would only be for a guy like Dabrinkit. Yeah. And then, yeah, maybe Joel Farabee. But, I mean is Joel Farabee ever going to be Alex to I would have a tough time with that because I just love the way Joel Farabee plays. And I think he's a guy that would really excel under John Tortorella. Agreed. But if you're going to bring in a high end talent on the trade front, whether that be uh, Mark Shifley, which is more of a, a long shot at this point, I don't even know if he moves out of Winnipeg or an Alex to If I'm another team, you got to look at it from the other team's perspective. Are you going to look at, Travis Konechny, who may have plateaued as a 50 to 60 point winger who was drafted, what is it, seven years ago? Or are you going to look at Joel Farabee, who's on a cheaper contract, is three years younger and has untapped potential? Yeah. And you're trading a 23, what is it, to make it 23? 24, I believe. He was drafted 20, in 2016. Yeah. So. so he's 24 years old. So y- you don't want to trade. So you're trading to bring it to end up with Konechny. You're, it doesn't make sense. Like when, when people go, yeah, I don't want to give Faraby. I, I would push TK. Well, there's another GM on the other side <laughs> that's not going, okay, we'll make it better for you, Flyers. We're going to yeah. trade you this 40-plus goal scorer, and we, we'll make it very, we'll make it less painful in what you have to give up. Nobody's going to do you any favors. <laughs> like everyone thinks like, okay, yeah, we'll trade you Morgan Frost, a second round pick and Oscar Lindblom. Give us that 24 year old 40 goal scorer, yeah. you know? And like, look, maybe if you give up Joel Farabee and the fifth overall pick for Debrinkit, maybe they take on Oscar Lindblom or J- James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah. I would say more James Van Riemsdyk just because, and again, I hate saying this, but I think we went over it last week that like, Buying out Limblom would actually be beneficial on the cap this year. Yeah. You gain, I think, $300,000 more than his actual cap hit. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, well, like, I'll throw it to you. If it's, let's just say, hypothetically, the fifth overall Farabee and JVR for Debrinkit, do you consider it? Yeah. I have to. And I love Joel Farabee. And it's not something that I was looking to do, but 
for a team that needs to be able to score with ease. Yeah. Like I talked about this so much last year, Ant. This team had to work so hard to get scoring chances and high danger chances and to put the puck in the net. And oftentimes the way they do it was just to create mayhem. And they, they didn't score off the rush. They didn't score on the power play. They didn't have a guy that could just put the puck in the net without having everybody have to do so much to get it done. Sometimes you need an easy goal. You just do. It can tilt a game like that. This guy goes on the ice, boom, it just he makes a play and he scores. I don't need five guys crashing and doing all this shit. Yeah, you need that at times. But I also need to have that ability to score an easy goal, and I don't have the players to do that right now. So getting a guy like Debrinkin for this team, I think, changed that. Now, the size is an issue. You're really small. Yeah. But are there many 40-goal scorers that are on the market at his age? And that's and that's the, th- the question you got to ask, right? And, like, and then you got to ask yourself, like, is Joel Farabee ever going to be a 40-goal scorer? No. Is And let's say, assume you take a forward with that fifth overall pick. I would just say Savoy or uh, Gauthier. Are either of those guys going to be a high-end go- like offensive player? No, you're going to end up with the best players of the total package. That's it. And what, like you said, like when are you going to get this opportunity again? Yeah. Like when? And you look at like, let's say you make that trade, and the only two guys you're losing off your roster is JVR, which is a plus, and Farabee. And you could have, and I think DeBrinket plays the left wing, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He yeah, plays on the opposite side, the right? Yeah. So you could have a first line of, let's say, Debrinket, Couturier, and Konechny. And then you have a second line of Blank, Hayes, and Atkinson. Yeah. Maybe you put Lawton up there to be like the mucker and grinder. Maybe you put a guy like Noah Cates up there. Then obviously the third line center. Maybe Tippett's up there. And playing his offside, potentially. Like, I, I, I thought that, like, assuming all things remain equal in terms of, like, the center ice position... I was I like my thought was that you're gonna have Frost and Tippett back together with yeah. Lawton on their left wing, mm-hmm. just as a, he would be the veteran doing the dirty work and kind of let those guys worry about the offensive side of the puck. And they showed some chemistry moving um, uh, towards the end of the season, especially Tippett. Like I don't think he, anyone had more high danger opportunities than that guy. No. He just has to learn how to finish. Yeah. And then maybe you bring in a left wing to play a physical role with uh, Hayes and Atkinson. Yeah. Because Noah Cates, I would assume, is better served for the fourth line, at least to stop, to I start agree. rather, whether it's with Lazinski as the center or Patrick Brown as the center. And I've heard they're interested in bringing Zach McEwen back. We, I think it was Lawton who sung his praises that they hadn't had a guy like him since Wayne Simmons. Yeah. And then, look, for me personally, let's say that's like more or less your lineup. The center ice position still bothers me. Like, I would still much rather get a bona fide third line center, whether that be Nick Paul or whether that be whoever uh, Vincent Trocek is probably going to cost too much money. But like, I, I just think they have to figure that out. Yeah. And, but I mean, it's not a bad roster by any stretch. Yeah. And, and then still a lot predicated obviously on the health of Ryan Ellis. Um, so we'll see how it goes. And this was awesome as always. Uh, people can read your stuff at the fourth period.com. Yep, uh, my latest story should be up in half an hour or so. All right, and you got some uh, new information in that story as well. As the world turns in Flyers land, uh, great stuff, uh, Ant. We'll talk again next week, man. Sounds good, man. Take it easy.
There he is, Anthony DeMarco, on another edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Boy, a lot going on. A lot going on. Whew. This is insane. But the Cup's going on. The Cup final is going on. And it's one of the great things to gamble on year in and year out. So let's get to a little business. Let's do a little something we like to call Tone's Take. And there he is. Uh, what's going on, Tone? Hey, Jason. How you doing? I got to do my old Anthony Gargano. And there he is! <laughs> <laughs> <Go poop. laughs> he would bring a guest on, Gargano. And it was like he was introducing the Beatles. Yeah, Let's go was. down to the yeah. Comcast Business Hotline. <laughs> and there he said, da, da. And there Yeah, I said, yeah. what the hell? You, you uh, do him pretty good, man. I've heard of him, I've heard of him before. <laughs> <laughs> he loved when I did him. Uh-huh. Um, how's uh, how'd you enjoy game one? That was awesome. That was awesome. What a game, I, I had the, yeah, I had the bolts. I was a little a little amped up once they came back, but you know, lost in overtime. Still a great game. This is going to be one of the best finals uh, in recent memory, I think. Uh, just two with these two teams going at it. You know, I mean, so Tampa Bay skill. and Dallas and Montreal yeah. kept. It wasn't exciting. I think this is going to be exciting, like a fast tempo hockey. To me, this is the two most deserving and best teams finding their way through to get it done. Now, you may look at Tampa and right. go, were they the best team? Was Florida? They dispatched Florida handily, held them to three yeah. goals. So this is the yep. two best teams in the NHL playing for the ultimate trophy in sports. Like that atmosphere last night. And to get overtime in game one. Right. I mean, who had Barakovsky yeah. on their fucking bingo I card i didn't <laughs> yeah um, right exactly and then uh, you mentioned too with the fans it's good to you know have them all back and exactly it's like what the over the past two years i know they were back a little bit last season but some arenas didn't have full capacity others did you know but it's good to, for the whole entire playoffs it's great to see it's, it's great to see the fans you know yeah um let's uh to take a look at nhl year to date you're over uh 28 plus 28 units on the season and since no game tonight this is the for only time in this series where they'll have two days between games then they're moving to the every other and yeah. it'll be interesting to see how the teams hold up after a lot of playoff hockey and, and grinding hockey so let's look at you know i always think it's interesting to look at the con smite i kind of do it like round by round like oh who's a guy that you know is really off to a great start and you, know, you looked in the first round and go, Shesterkin, wow, he's pulled twice. And then he really got his legs under him. And he was yeah. a guy that would have been in that mix, but they get knocked out. And you always look at Vasilevsky as a possible con Smythe guy, although not the sharpest game one for him. Um, Kucherov, dynamic player. Makar has been electric in these playoffs. Where are you looking at for the con Smythe and some futures odds? Uh, McCarr, like you said, uh, plus 160. He leads Colorado with 22 points. I mean, if Colorado wins the cup, I think he's going to be he's going to be the guy, unless maybe like Landis Cog, Rantanen, or McKinnon, which is a possibility. You know, can can break through. Um, so I kind of like I kind of like McCarr there. Um, another one is Kucherov at plus 600. Uh, he leads all active playoff players now in points. Uh, that could be a good look. Um, and this is one that I took before before game one. I took Vasilevsky. I got it at 430 to win the consmite because I still think Tampa Bay is going to win the series. And if they do, uh, I think he's going to obviously have to have a lot to do with it with this with this offensive Colorado team. 
Uh, right now he's at uh, plus 650. So, wow. I mean, if you think Tampa Bay is going to win the series, I mean, I think uh, aside from taking Tampa Bay, I think they're plus 230 to win the series. I mean, take, <laughs> take a flyer on Vasilevsky at plus 650. Well, uh, part of that too is uh, it, it's co- playoff collective, and you look at all of his closeout games, and they're still stellar. Exactly, that's what I mean. Like they're like I know he won it last year, and you know maybe they may look at Samkos or Kucherov. Yeah, but you can't you can't deny his numbers, especially like you said in those closeout games and off a loss. Like I think if, if Tampa Bay wins it, I think Vasilevsky's going to get the contract. You know, he's an interesting guy that you can get really good number on. I'm not sure what it is right now. But if he just kind of goes off and has some really big goals in, in the final and Tampa wins it is Palat. Yeah, right? He's been an animal. He's been one of those guys, man. He yeah. has. He scored again last night. He has, a, he has a point in like every home game that, that they it's have. It's ridiculous. In the playoffs. It's crazy, like playing on that top line. He's just one of those guys, man, one of those playoff guys, you know? Um, I, I picked the Avs in the series in seven. <clears throat> um, I just think that maybe the home ice is the factor here. Uh, maybe a little less wear and tear cumulatively for them, even though Tampa yeah. did sweep their second round. But I look at a team like Colorado being able to get it done. Now it's going to depend on getting some guys back with Kadri <clears throat> and who kind of survives it game in and game out injury wise. Um, right. Where are you leaning here for the series and in how many? I think it's, I'm leaning Tampa, I'm leaning seven. I would not be surprised if it plays out like the Toronto series played out, mm-hmm. both teams up, up until game seven. Um, I'm probably still going to back Tampa in game two. Just, I mean, I just, even with Vasilevsky giving up those soft goals last night, I mean, they shut Colorado down after that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I still like the value on them. They're, for whatever reason, they are one of the most undervalued defending champions. I mean, this has been all playoff long. They've been, they've been so undervalued. Yeah. So, um, I'm still leaning leaning Tampa. I think it's going to go seven. Um, I think would you have said seven, seven before game one, though? I would have said six. I had Tampa okay. six. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I had Tampa So six. since they lost game yeah, one, you're now at seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And mentioning that, I mean, you can go series to go seven games, you can get that at plus 230. Series to go six games, you can get that at plus 225. I mean – if anything last night showed us, it's gonna it's gonna be a long series. It's not gonna be a quick series. I know Colorado's pretty much went through the, went through the West, but uh, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fight. I think it's gonna go at least six seven games. But as yeah. of right now, I'm still I'm still liking Tampa. Yeah, and I think we're gonna see more overtime in this series as well. I think all these games mm-hmm. are gonna be tight. I don't think you're gonna see a yeah. a five one or a four one five two type game in this series. I think they're all gonna be really no. tight, really well coached, and really structured. Yeah, it could be similar to what you got last night. It was a three-three, and then all of a sudden things shut down, and it, you know they play tighter into the third period. So yeah, um, definitely I was a little a surprised Colorado came out as well as they did, considering the layoff. I was too. I was too. I actually I took the first ten minutes, uh, no goals in the first ten. Also, I lost by two minutes there on that bad goal. But I was surprised too. I, was, I think they were a little rusty in the um, St. Louis series after they yep. swept Nashville. I think they even lost the first period, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, one nothing. But um, yeah, I, I was expecting a little slower game from Colorado, but they came out flying. Yeah, maybe that's the the Cup final adrenaline that kicked in and, and was able to overcome that rust, and they were ready to go. What a game it was! And we'll get game two, right. uh, not tonight, not tomorrow, but Saturday, right? Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. I hate the two day layoff, man. I hate Me the too. Yeah, a couple NBA, years ago. Like, come on. Yeah, oh, it takes it makes it take forever. Let's go every other day. Come on, boys. You guys are flying charter. Yeah. Let's not act like we're, you know, flapping our arms in the air here to get from place to right. place. So, 
Um, Tone, where can people read your stuff? Uh, on dimers.com, on oddshecker.com, and at Tone's Takes on Twitter. There you go. Make sure you get it. In addition to Tone's Takes in the books. Thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Jason. Take care. There is Tone. Another edition of Tone's Takes on Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Um, I got it going seven. And that's not because of the game last night. I had it going seven before the series. I like the Avs in seven. Tone's got the Bolts in seven. So um, it'll be interesting to see. McCarr obviously is a a favorite for the Conn Smythe right now. We'll see if he continues a great play here in the Stanley Cup final. I have no reason to believe that he won't. Um, Bet Parks is the place to get all your action, all Tone's takes. It's the great casino and sportsbook app. It is now live, the new one. Uh, Take it from me. Bet Parks is everything you want in a mobile casino and a sports book, and it's right in the palm of your hand. Great, easy to use, easy to navigate, easy to sign up, easy to deposit, fast, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. Whether it's the hockey final, whether it's the hoops final, whether it's the major championship this weekend in golf, whether it's baseball or even tennis, even at Formula One for that matter. Uh, they're in Canada, back in Montreal this weekend is, uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix, and then also obviously football around the corner. Make sure you grab the Bet Parks app. It's fantastic. Uh, all new and existing users right now, you can uh, use the promo code Jason750, Jason750, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $750. Again, new and existing users, promo code Jason750, and you get that uh, risk-free bet up to 750 bucks. It's an industry high. Uh, terms and conditions do apply. So make sure you grab the app and check it out. Just navigate it. See how easy it is to operate, whether you want to bet individual player performances, live in-game betting, uh, same-game parlays. It's all there for you right at your fingertips. So download the new Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We'll have another one for you coming up next week. And uh, it looks like John Tortorell hiring will become official, and we'll see where things go from here. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time on a brand new edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great summer weekend, everybody. When I walk beside her, I am the better man. When I look to leave her, I always stagger back again.